Welcome to CEO Insights, a podcast on influence and negotiation in which CEOs of international companies come to share their approach and experience of negotiation and influence. I'm your host, Ludovic Tendron, and I have the pleasure to welcome today Bill Jurgen, a true authority in the boating business. Bill is a CEO of Correct Craft, the oldest family-owned and operated boat manufacturer in the world, close to 100 years old distributing in 70 different countries. Bill served both the Obama and Trump administrations on cabinet-level advisory councils. He's also the author of five books, including the bestseller, Education of a CEO. Hi, Bill. It's a great great honor to have you with us for this fifth episode of uh, CEO Insight. Thank you for accepting this invitation from Orlando, I think. Yes, from Orlando, Ludo, and thank you very much. Very uh... Happy to be here with you and appreciate uh, the invitation. Honored to be on your uh, be on your podcast. Bill, I'll go straight to the first question. I've just read your book, uh, Education of a CEO. I really liked it. Great insights. Um, how did you come up with the idea of writing that book? You know, when I came to CorectCraft 15 years ago, the company was in a bit of a bit of a, a rough time. I was the fifth CEO, Ludo, in five years, so I was going through a lot of change and. Went through a lot of transition with that. And just about the time we got on our feet, ran into the Great Recession, and we lost 90% of our business overnight. So went through a lot of challenges, got on our feet, lost 90% of our business. And then we started a period of great expansion. Our company's grown 20 times in the last 15 years, lots of acquisitions and organic growth. And so just learned a lot of lessons. And during those lessons, um, you know, just thought I'd share them and just to help other people. And uh, just, uh, we, you know, we love uh, making life better. We call it here at Correct Craft. And so I thought, well, maybe it helps some other people to be able to learn some of the lessons that uh, we've learned here. Right. Would you say it's more difficult to be a CEO now than 30 years ago? You know, it's hard to say because I wasn't a CEO 30 years ago. But I would say, my if I had to guess, I would say yes. Because the change is happening so much faster now, Ludo, than it has in the past. And particularly, you know, with technology, um, you know, I believe that there's a lot of businesses that are in business today that won't be here 10 years from now because there's so much technology change that's impacting business models and how we do business. And so I would say yes, mainly because of the rate of change. I read the other day that... Um Sixty percent, sixty-five percent of the jobs in the world today will disappear by the time primary school uh, children will join the workforce. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, I, I totally believe that. And they so said, you know, computational change is happening. The computational growth and power is growing so fast; it's changing. Uh, it's advancing technologies that are converging and are changing business models. So when you get that progression, you just have a lot of change. I totally believe that. Now, I also, I'm not a pessimist. I'm an optimistic. I'm an optimist. I think it's going to create a lot of wealth. I think it's going to create a lot of opportunity. It'll just be different than it is today. So it's not going to be, um, you know, 65% jobs are eliminated and there's nothing else for them. It's just going to be different kinds of jobs than what we're used to today. So it must be difficult to take a decision as a CEO now when you think about it because there are so many factors and parameters to take into consideration, I would imagine. Yeah, it is. But we're always tried, trying to look out 10, 15 years. You know, I tell our team the best thing we can do for our company and for our employees is to have a business model that we know our company is going to be here and be successful 25 years from now. 
So we're trying to look out, you know, way past this quarter or this year, uh, Ludo, we're trying to look out 10, 15, 20, 25 years, trying to make the decisions we need to make today to be successful, not just for next quarter, but for 20 years from now. Do the best negotiators make the best CEOs? That's an interesting question. Um, you know, they, I think um, being a good negotiator is certainly part of being a good CEO, but there's a lot of other parts too that are important. So I think you can be a really good negotiator, but um, not do a very good job at energizing your team or creating a vision or creating clarity around what's important. So you can be a good, you can be a great negotiator, but not have some other CEO skills. I think you could probably have those other CEO skills and uh, have somebody that works for you that's a good negotiator. So I don't think that, uh, I don't, it's certainly not a requirement, uh, but it helps. It helps. It helps. I would imagine if you don't know how to negotiate, it could be difficult as a CEO. Yeah, I probably didn't get into the role <laughs> to start with. Probably. So in your opinion, what, what are the hidden qualities that make the best CEO compelling? Yeah, I think, you know, as a CEO, I see my job as to create a lot of clarity. I have to create clarity around our mission, you know, our vision, our why, you know, from Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why. I have to create clarity around our values, what our strategic plan is. And then if I can create a lot of clarity around those items, Ludo, and then I can create or help the team um, generate energy. And so, you know, inspire. So creating, creating a lot of clarity and inspiring. I think if I can do those two things, I can be a good CEO. And I think those are really the key things for a CEO. Create clarity around what's important and create energy around those items. And you can, you can accomplish almost anything. Great. So you start the education of a CEO by honestly admitting that you were not meant to be a CEO, that you would tend to be impatient, get emotionally hijacked, and easily fooled, how did you manage to keep this tendency at bay to succeed at correct Ralph? <laughs> That's another uh, great question right out of the book. Uh, the, um, you know, I, I aspired to be a consultant and I had spent uh, much of my, I'd spent a lot of time traveling all over the world, uh, including visiting Vietnam where you are and speaking at conferences. And I, so I was going to try to leverage that into being a consultant. And about the time I was trying to do that, I was approached by Craft to become CEO of the company. And I didn't I actually turn them down the first time they offered it. And so the second time, um, through a chain of circumstances, decided, you know, this is what I was supposed to do. But I think some of those things that I identify as weaknesses, I think they're the weak, they're weaknesses of everybody. You know, I mean, I can be insecure. I can be you know, easily fooled. You know, I can be subject to confirmation bias. In other words, I'm not looking for truth. I'm looking to validate what I already believe. And so I think the first step is having an awareness of those things and realizing that, hey, these could be traps. And if I'm not aware of them, then it's much easier to fall into the trap. I've got a really high awareness of, you know, where the traps are, I think. And I'm not saying that in a prideful way. I think just through experience and, and learning um, I know where the traps are. You know, there's a great book by a guy named Tim Irwin, Ludo, called uh, Derailed. And he talks about, um, you know, for rock star CEOs and what, get them, what gets them off track and how they lose their way. And it always, it always comes back to pride. Every single time it comes back to pride. So when we start thinking we know it all or we've got it all figured out or we don't need other people, that's a really dangerous place to be. 
because, um, you know, we do, we need, we need uh, people. Another great book. I could talk about books all day about Henry cloud uh, called the power of the other. And he talks about how we need other people, you know, to, to help us accomplish what we want to accomplish. So when we start thinking it's all about us, boy, the sirens ought to be going off red flags because that's a, that's a trap. Yeah. I completely agree with you. Um, how, how do you make people receptive to your ideas? You know, at the end of the day, most people are going to do what's good for them. And so, you know, my part of my job is to help them understand that they're important and that they're valued, that I appreciate them, that the organization appreciates them, and also help them understand that they're part of a bigger mission than just building, you know, boats or engines. I mean, we, we want to build great boats. We want to build great engines, run great water parks, all the things that our company does. Um, but we also want to use our platform for good. And that's why we take employees all over the world. I've taken employees to Cambodia, not far from you, India, several countries in Africa, Central America, and we serve and we just find an orphanage or, a, you know, a poor community and we'll go and serve. So, um, you know, I want them to know that, hey, we want to use our resources and when we do good as a company. It's not just, to, you know, not just, to, you know, give people money, even though there's nothing the matter with that. And, and we want to reward people. It's about using our platform for good. So, and people love that. They, they're inspired by that. Right. Yeah. I saw that you were involved in, uh, in a number of charities. That's great. Um, so you've been an extensive traveler. I understand that you've just released a new book, uh, Education of a Traveler, if I'm not wrong. Um, which culture do you like doing business with and why? Yeah, the Education of a Traveler, the book that uh, my latest book um, was resulted from being um, visiting about 117 countries. Depends on how you count them, somewhere between 110 and 117 countries. And so, and you know, much of that was on business or speaking. And, you know, I enjoy what I enjoy is the, the more different than what I live on a day to day basis here in Florida, the better in terms of what I enjoy. Um, in terms of cultures where I like doing business, Sometimes people are surprised to hear I really enjoy doing business in the Middle East. I think there's a lot of opportunity there um, throughout the Middle East. Um, you know, we there's there's people that can afford boats in pretty much every country, even the poorest countries. And when you go in as a CEO, um, when I've traveled into a CEO, you know, as a country, you know, there's a lot of people there that want to talk to you about your product. And, you know, and a lot of people want us to build boats there. We don't do that. We don't, but we've got several facilities, but they're all here in the United States right now. But someday, who knows, maybe we will do that too. But I enjoy pretty much all, all cultures. Is this an American way of negotiating, you think? Um, I mean, very often we say that uh, America is a winning culture. And therefore, I mean, you see it in language as well. You lose a lot of sport and war expressions. Um, do you think that Americans have that approach where they want to win when they, when they do business and negotiate? You know, we want to win, but we also very much, very important to us, we want the other side to win too. We want to come up with a, we want to negotiate something that's good for everybody. And I can't say that every, you know, American company, you know, wants to do that, but I can say for sure that we do. We won't do a deal. We won't do an acquisition if it's not good for the other party. We just won't do it. And we don't, because we don't have to, you know, we're a big company. We're in 70 countries around the world. And 
um, yeah, that's just not who we want to be, Ludo. So, um, you know, from our perspective, but but there's plenty of opportunities to structure deals so that both sides can be a winner. And so that's what we want to do. And so, um, yeah, of course we want to win, but we want the other side to win too. It's not win-lose. They don't want, for us to win, they don't have to lose. They can win too. Yeah, that makes sense. Do you trust your gut feelings in business? I trust my gut feelings, but I also realize that um, it's just my feelings and there's other perspectives. And sometimes Ludo, um, I'll hand, I don't know how this will uh, just call you know, a beach ball is, you know, ball with you are the beach, you blow over there. It's got all kinds of different colors. And um, so I have, um, I sometimes I'll hold up a beach ball. I've got one, if I thought of it, I had it here at my desk for our, uh, for this interview, but, and I'll say, if I'm on the blue panel, of the beach ball, I see things blue and my gut tells me things are blue. But if you're on the yellow panel, Ludo, and you see things yellow, I may think, how does he even see that? What is he talking about? So I, I trust my gut. I trust my feelings. But I also know I've got to step back and make sure I get input from a lot of people because there's a lot of evidence that, you know, that we have the ability to think something is very true when it's actually very wrong. Yeah. When I, when I was uh, writing my book, I came across um, some research and they were saying that uh, because of the time pressure, because of um, the modern world we live in, uh, deadlines, etc., people have a tendency to trust their gut feeling a little bit more during negotiation and be a bit less rational probably. Um, I don't know if that's something you share. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and I, you know, there is a place for trusting your intuition and your gut. And if you have, you know, if you've done a really good job of being a learner and you've got good experience, there's times you can do that, but there's always another perspective. And so I just want to try to make sure I'm seeing all sides of the situation and not just, um, not just the perspective that I see. And I think that makes me a better leader. I think that makes me a better negotiator too. Do you have any daily routines that keep you grounded and balanced every day? I love to exercise and, um, you know, it makes me feel, um, it makes me mentally feel stronger, emotionally, physically. And so I try to exercise pretty much every day. I don't get to do it every day. And people say to me, they say, Bill, you're so busy. You know, how do you find an hour to exercise? But, but Ludo, I feel like for every hour I exercise, I get three or four hours back. I don't feel, I feel like it's an investment, not an expense. And so when I exercise, I always feel like uh, I get that time back in spades because um, you know, I just feel, I've got so much more energy and mental clarity and so forth while I'm exercising. What kind of exercise do you like doing? Uh, recently, I've been doing, I go to the gym and lift weights. I go to, I do bike riding. I've been running, but uh, I pulled a muscle. So the last few weeks I haven't been able to run. So that's not a good advertisement for exercising, I guess. But uh, I, I can ride the, with my muscle pull. I can uh, ride, ride a bike. So I've been you know, riding. Last night I rode 12 miles. Um, yeah, just go out and ride 12 miles and uh, just to get a little exercise in. So I just feel a lot better when I do that. I feel like I'm, it makes me a better person, leader, and negotiator. I read in your book that you meditate as well. Do you do, you do that? Also? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's strange. I, I always thought it was a little silly, Ludo. And I started reading a little bit more about it. And I realized 
a lot of people attribute you know, part of their success to meditating. And I do, I do that also. And it just gives me an opportunity really just to clear my mind. And, you know, we can be so busy and have so much going on. It's a reset. It's like hitting a reset button, Ludo. And so it's very, very helpful to me. Yeah, I completely agree, especially in the morning when you wake yeah. up and you you don't control your dreams, obviously. So sometimes you you wake up, you're weird, and you have to yeah. spend your day uh, on the right uh, food. So it's actually great to do meditation in the morning. I like it. Uh, yeah. I like doing it in, in cold water as well, which is quite interesting. Really? I've never tried that. I'll have to try that. Thank you for the tip. But I'm a Florida guy, so I don't like cold water too much. But So that would be quite an experience for me. <laughs> You, you're going to be laser focused when you uh, when you meditate in cold water. You should try. Yeah, I'll bet. I'll bet. Um, so, my last question to you would be: What, what is your funniest memory as a negotiator? As a negotiator, yeah. You know, I, I took um, this isn't real negotiation, so hopefully this will this will work for you. But I took a negotiation class at Harvard University, and uh, six went six days there. And one of the things that I learned uh, there, because we had um, we had negotiations with other classmates, and the, the best thing you become the best negotiator when you're willing to walk away, and you know when you don't have to um, you don't have to do the deal, and so when you get emotionally hijacked by the deal or captured, um, then you're a really poor negotiator. But if you're willing to walk away, and, and that's and that's I've used this many, many times, not as a, really as a negotiation tool, but just because I was, you know, as I said, you know, we're a big company. We don't really have to do any deal. So if it's not good for us, it's not good for the other person, um, you know, we're willing to walk away. And, you know, that really helps in the negotiation because people realize, you know, if they want to do the deal, um, you know, that they need to take into consideration our concerns, whatever they might be. Um, and then you, maybe you wanted to tell something funny about it. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny part was that when I took the uh, Harvard negotiation class, in the um, you know basically we're scored we're scored on uh, in the class. You come back in and you tell what you negotiated, and then you'd be scored. And so, the worst thing that could happen, the worst score you would get, is if you couldn't do a deal. So when my other classmates realized that I was willing to get the worst score, I mean, I, I was willing to do that, that I was willing not to do a deal, then basically they would give me whatever I wanted. So that's not real life negotiation, but it was a real, if you ever take a negotiation class at Harvard, that's the trick. Just be willing to walk away and then people just give you whatever you want. <laughs> that's a great tip. I love it. Um, I will have some speed run questions for you now. You have to answer very quickly, yes or no. Okay. Oh boy, you just make me nervous, Ludo. <laughs> you have two options. So, are you an early bird or a night owl? Early bird. Would you have dinner with Donald Trump or Barack Obama? <laughs> well, I've met them both in the White House, um, and it was an honor to meet both of them. So, I would have dinner with either one of them. Okay. If you were a hashtag, what would it be? Hashtag learner. What's your favorite food? Favorite food. Oh, it's, it would be some type of ethnic food. Probably the best food I've ever had is in the Middle East. 
So I love Middle Eastern food, but Mexican, Italian, um, definitely, uh, definitely any kind of ethnic food would be ethnic food to me here in the United States. Right. What is the best age? Age. You know, I think every age, every step along the way, I've uh, thought was the best. And I think this is where I am right now. I just had my first grandbaby. And um, my daughter had a little girl, Rosie, and I adore her. And I just can't imagine life being any better than it is right now with her. So um, I've enjoyed every step, every age. You don't, you don't think that you wish you could be younger or uh, <laughs> in your 40s or 30s sometimes? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I'm very content. I'm very happy where I am. You know, I, mean, I know um, I've got more life behind me than I have ahead of me. But I'm just, I enjoyed my 30s and 40s and I enjoy where I am today. And so I, now I do wish in my 30s I'd have known what I know today. <laughs> That would have been really helpful. <laughs> But, and I'm sure, you know, 10 years from now, I'll look back and say, oh, 10 years ago, I wish I'd known what I knew today. So I just want to be a learner and keep learning. Great. Godfather or Star Wars? I'm sorry? The Godfather or Star Wars? Star Wars. Wine or whiskey? <laughs> I don't drink, so uh, okay. I uh, I don't drink any alcohol, so neither one for me. You have a motto? A what? The motto, um, um, like a short sentence that you like repeating. Oh, be a learner. A yeah. motto. Okay, I'm sorry. Be a learner. Sorry, excuse my French. My pronunciation. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> It's no problem. Be a learner. Be a learner. Be a learner. I, ask, I have people ask me all the time for advice or I would say, just be a learner. If you just keep learning and reading, um, you know, I read dozens of books a year and, um, you know, and I love having my mind changed. I love seeing things differently and, you know, don't get stuck just trying to validate what you already think, you know, be open to learning. And uh, so be a learner would definitely be my motto. Okay. Keep a growth mindset. Yeah. 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 Do, do you have a bucket list? Um, you know, I, I mentioned the education of a traveler book, um, haven't been to 117 countries, you know, you've sort of been at pretty much everywhere. Uh, the three places I'd like to go though, is I have not been to Antarctica. So I'd like to go to Antarctica. I've been to Africa many times, but I've never been to Victoria Falls. So I'd like to go to Victoria Falls. And the third place, and people find this interesting is I'd like to go to, um, Ulaanbaatar, Mongolia. And, I've been to, I've been, I've spent a lot of time in Asia. I've never been to Mongolia and my daughter spent a summer there and, you know, told me about her experiences there. So I'd like to go there. So on one of my Asia trips, I'm going to do a little side trip to Ulaanbaatar. That'll probably be the easiest one. Um, Victoria Falls, I can probably do that on a future Africa trip. Antarctica will be a tougher one, but I plan to do that at some point. It's yeah, great. For your spare time, do you prefer social time or alone time? Social time. I'm an extrovert. I'm a pretty high extrovert, Ludo. Okay. You learn by watching or learn by doing? I'd say doing. doing. I'd say both, but if I had to pick one, I'd say doing. What is the best advice you've ever received? Hmm. Uh, you know, my grandfather used to tell me, um, just, because the just because you have the money, You don't have to buy it. And he'd also say, um, you know, be a saver, you know, be a, be a saver. 
And so that's, you know, that's worked well, you know, for me, my dad used to encourage me, you know, to, um, you know, have high integrity. So, you know, that's uh, worked well for me, but, um, you know, probably my grandfather and my dad, you know, and, and those items would be the best advice. Yeah, that's great. What is the lesson that took you a long time to learn? Oh boy. <laughs> uh, that, you know, there's so many, I, f- I feel, I don't know that I'm, I'm sure there's some I haven't even learned yet now, but I think it, you know, just the idea that, you know, I'm not, I know that I'm not always right. And I think it's something that's come with maturity and age to know that really value, you know, contrary opinions because there's always truth in them. And, you know, we can, I said earlier, we can feel very right when we're actually very wrong. And so, you know, not, not just trust those feelings of being right and knowing that, you know, I could feel right and be wrong at the same time. Great. And my last question, what trait most defines who you are? A learner. Learner. It's in your I mean, a learner. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much, Bill. That was awesome to have you with us. And thank you for your insights. Um, I hope to see you uh, one day and meet you in person. And I wish you the very best and the very best to Correct Craft as well. Thank you, Ludo. It's been a real pleasure and honor to be with you and I hope to meet you too someday. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed this interview. There are more coming with different CEOs, with different backgrounds, stories. Stay tuned. You can follow us on www.ludovic.online. See you soon.